Welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie. I'm your very tired neophyte, Frank. And today is our first episode to record, 2019, starting on the 1st of January. So, Happy New Year, Frank. Happy New Year, Donnie. Um, and to wrap things up from last season, we're going to do our season two wrap-up episode. Um, and actually, this is another kind of, like, special episode, because this is the first one in... A season you and I have done just solo. It's true. Yeah. No, this season we tried something a little different and really tried to get guests to appear every single episode, which has been really fun. We've had some really good guests. We've had some really interesting perspectives, um, which I've been super grateful for. But it's kind of interesting when it's just just me looking at you. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we didn't want to inflict this and the... Uh, like mid-season break on anyone else. Yeah, like, right. I mean, this nobody else really knows about, like as much as we do about this season. And the other one was just well, you'll hear it next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's. I like it though. I like personally the state of the podcast. I like the idea of us having guests and people appear, and it's always really good to hear from a third person or a fourth person in one or two of the episodes. But like. It's it's also nice to kind of look back on the season, but only look on, back on it with you because it's like, like you said, like we're the only two who are consistently here, like yeah. so it's kind of like who else is gonna reflect on it with us? <laughs> At this point, just like Gwen is the only one with really that much experience. Gwen has seen like the most, and I I think I think how it goes is of our newcomers who are guests, so like people who have not watched the series beforehand, it's like Gwen has seen the most. <laughs> I would venture to say. Um, Eric is retaining information. It's really funny when I talk to him about the series now. Like he he actually like remembers aspects of characters and things. It's really funny because I guess he's been around. He's been on enough episodes and he's seen some characters consistently, which is fun. Um, veterans have. I mean, the veterans that we've had on have like fairly solid memory, um, so they don't really count in that. But it's interesting that some folks like if I talk to them about what's going on right now when we're recording, they're like, "But wait, like l- last time I was on, like these two were friends, or like these two were together, and things like that." It's very interesting. It's like going to actual high school where like you go away for a week and you come back, it's like everything's changed. Yeah, you know, or it's like the going over the summer break. Yeah, I think that is really what it is for some of our uh, our newcomers, and like I'm glad that we have a lot of them come on. I'm finding that it's really funny watching somebody come in like fresh and like be like that one's really annoying or like I really like that one or like they're they're like <laughs> their uh, impressions are so raw and real. Yeah. Okay. So, um we you are going to direct us through where we're going to start. Yeah, of course. So, I mean We've already kind of talked about, like, some of the things that we did differently this season with the podcast, which is interesting. I'm glad that we're doing it. I like having the guests. Um, But it's also something to think about in terms of, like, the season itself. Like, to you, like, what was kind of your general vibe of this season, especially compared to the first season? Like, what parts of it did you feel were improvements and, like, better? And what parts of it maybe were lacking? Or what parts of it were just unique to this season in terms of its own personal, like, strengths and weaknesses? Um, it felt like, yeah, it felt like we were finally getting to the nitty gritty of, like, Degrassi, we're going there. Yeah. But, like, it still had some of the goofiness of season one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not really like but not as goofy and things felt like they mattered this season yeah like up until the last two episodes like all this weird stuff happened like throughout you know like we had the whole uh, last season we had the whole terry like using the ouija board and that just kind of got brushed away we had terry getting drunk that just kind of got brushed away Mm -hmm. but now it's like things were starting to actually stick around like you know Manny dances with Craig. She gets this infatuating crush on him. Yes. Like, and then they go on a date. And then, like, that doesn't work out. But then she's able to be like, hey, Toby, don't do that. Like, it's not, like, the episodes are no longer existing in a vacuum, which I really like. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, though. Like, when you pointed out, like, there's a lot of buildup that's going on between certain events. Like... And I don't think every single episode is a perfect example of the thread aspect, but I think a lot of them are. Um, and, like, it, even some little details, like, I was thinking, because I, I was re-listening to the episode, the last episode that um, Eric was on, and talking about how Ashley and Craig did their take on The Taming of the Shrew, and then how does Craig dress when he's trying to portray that uh, Petruchio as a, an abuser, but dresses like his father. Um, and there's, I feel like there are certain characters in this season that they did very well having a thread. I think Ashley, which we did not talk enough about the whole mm-hmm. entire season. I think that her growth this season was so subtle um, that a lot of the time in the chaos of each episode, we, we lost track of her a little bit. But like there was this very, very, very slow progression that literally took until like some of the last episodes to truly get us to understand like the amount of um, struggles that Ashley was going through and the amount of growth she was attempting to to have. And, and it wasn't always successful, but it's very interesting to think about how it really does feel like she has spent a whole school year going from that girl who took ecstasy and was an asshole to the Ashley that we see at the end of season two, who is you know, trying her best to support Craig with varying degrees of success. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's a complete leap from who she was in season one. Exactly. Like, her need to be in people's business when they're dealing with dark shit, not because she's, like, good at handling it, but because she's, like, intrigued by it, feels so fucking real to even that girl in season one may not be in the exact same way, but the way that she tries to insert herself into the narrative that is being sexually assaulted, the way that she tries to find redemption for Craig's abusive father, like, it feels very consistent to the controlling aspects of her personality that we saw in season one, just in different topics that she's trying to control. Yeah. Um, and also, like, her developing a true friendship. Yeah. Like, as much, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to downplay Terry, but I will downplay, like, the relationship those two have, where it's very one-sided half the time. Yeah, 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 no, I agree, in terms of, of actually developing genuine friendships, it is very interesting, because I, I agree, I don't think her friendship with Terry is particularly, like, a mutual thing a lot of the time. I think that it's still that hanger-on in terms of, like, Ashley trying to assert her dominance through Terry or with Terry or whatever. Um, meanwhile, we see her have a genuine relationship with Ellie 
and it's a really really delightful friendship to see but it's absolutely true it's like they actually position themselves as equals which is not something that we've really seen we've seen ashley have a rival with Paige, and we've seen her bully terry around and be totally disrespectful to her sometimes but we haven't really seen her just have friends yeah um and like but going back to what i was saying before like having the episodes start to matter and not just be vacuum Mm -hmm. sealed things is just like i like that then like when other because you're going to see a lot of uh reciprocal nature in like a high school show because people are going to be going through the same thing Mm um where like you know, Toby has that freak out about Kendra. And then you can just have Manny swoop in and be like, hey, I already learned this lesson. You might want to do it. And then, like, when that doesn't work out, you can go out and Manny can be all self, can be all smug and be like, told you it didn't work. Don't degrade lockers. Yeah, it really helps from, like, a character development perspective in that, in terms of that. Um, yeah, no, it's just a very... It just makes things actually matter. And I think that it also really in enhances some of the more controversial issues that the show is trying to portray. Because I think what a lot of shows that try to take on some of the topics that this season has taken on. This season was heavy. This mm. season took on abuse and took on sexual assault and took on... I mean, it didn't really do eating disorders very well. I will. Yeah. I ugh, that, was, that was not done with much grace at all. But... Um, of the topics that they did do very well, they were the re- uh, part of the reason why I think they did so well was because they were smart enough to um, actually have them carry through multiple times. So like, both shout the you know which was both shout which was a two part episode had an accompanying episode later on in the season, showing that like you know being sexually assaulted it's not just the moment it's also the fallout from it, much like. When Doves Cry is your introduction to Craig's abuse, and you see pieces of it appear and reappear, especially because it's changed his living situation so dramatically, and then you have the finale, which really reinforces how that's going to change your perspective, and if your abuser does die, it's going to lead to a lot of complicated feelings. Yeah, um... I I agree with all that, but... just want to add also like i finally feel like i'm starting to understand these characters a bit more yeah like well i did not agree a lot with like emma's like i like the fact that you know i this is weird like to say but like when uh dean shows back up and i see him talking to manny Mm -hmm. i'm like i can immediately click in my head like no yeah. Like, Manny's... Like, it doesn't need to be said, like, in words, but, like, Manny's in danger. Exactly. So then, like, when Paige is able to, like, swoop in and be like, I'm gonna help, because I'm Paige, like, you know, it makes me feel good. Like, yeah. Because I'm able to, like, instantly, like, click that in my head, like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Like, and... With, you know, Emma, like, wanting like white wedding are going to not like abort the pregnancy like you can like from what i've seen of emma like you can start making all like one-to-one like why she would have this thought so things are becoming clearer to me mm-hmm. like like 
before it just seemed to be like, oh, Manny likes romance, I guess. Yeah. And just seemed to come out of nowhere. But now I'm like, okay, no, this is what Manny wants. And this is how Manny sees the world. I liked having non-Emma and Sean plot lines. Yeah, I agree. It's like, and I mean, this is still an issue and this is going to continue to be an issue. We talked a bit about this and don't believe the hype and things like that. How there are going to be certain characters that are just never going to quite get their moment to shine in the capacity that we want them to specifically hazel um but it is interesting that at least a, like some of these characters getting enough material and and i i at least that we can start like like you said like looking at them and seeing their reactions to things and maybe not always anticipating it but having enough buy-in to who they are as individuals that when things do happen to them it's not just you care because the circumstances are bad and you're an adult watching teenagers in peril but because you generally care about the characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, but I don't know if we're going to do like an overall grade thing or... I mean, I think that's definitely fair game. I, I, I Once again, I, I think I can just say if this is one of my favorite seasons, this is one of my not-so-favorite seasons, I, I would be curious to hear what your grade is um, and what improvements you feel have been made, uh, I, if I w- any. <laughs> Uh, improvements is just like more the cast is getting you know like it's not just JT Toby Emma Sean in a cycle yeah like I'm getting you're getting more despite how many JT plot lines we had you're still getting more like of a diverse like this character is coming up and this character is coming up and even with JT it's just that at least with JT like I feel better about JT as a character now than I did at the end of season one. I feel much better about him now than I did. Because, like, at the end of season one, it was that whole bullshit with the ecstasy, right? And, like, he was like, oh, my my cousin got me, like, got me this ecstasy. Ha ha, I'm so high. I'm not actually high. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, he was just obnoxious. And a lot of the season, even this season, we were, you know, struggling with him. But at least now I feel a little better about him as a character. And I feel like he has a little bit more going for him than just this, like, nuisance that appears on my computer screen and vexes me so much. So there are these types of little developments that are happening with his character and happening with a lot of these characters that they are becoming much more bearable than their season one versions of themselves or you know just some of the takes from season one in terms of their characterization yeah um definitely like i did find liberty a little grating now like i'm always happy when she's on the screen yeah and i do like little developments with liberty like the fact that she has friends now and things like that like it's still i still think that her character needs work i i worry that there won't be really the work that i think that needs to happen but i do think that Liberty got some little developments here and there that I was very glad to see, specifically that she does actually have friends. Meanwhile, season one, it felt like, yes, she had plots, but she was always alone. And it really made... I understand that like it kind of made circumstances like the Armstrong thing really possible in that last season, but also it was really distressing and upsetting to watch a character on an ensemble piece not actually be friends with anybody in the ensemble. At least now it's like, okay... She hangs out with Emma. She hangs out with Manny. I'm glad to see this development. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it does feel kind of like the development of an actual child where, like, mm-hmm. when you have the kid first, you're just trying to figure it out. And then, like, 
after a while just beco- starts becoming an actual person with a personality and like likes and dislikes well i'm sure that happened a lot for the writers themselves right like you're trying to create something here and in the process of trying to create it you're trying you're making more sense of it and it sounds like for better or for worse the writers took a lot of inspiration from the kids themselves Mm -hmm. which i think yielded some horrible results because these writers are very biased in many ways but also i'm sure helped a lot of these characters become the characters that we know them as because of the actors actual interests um, the actors, you know, skill sets or whatever they were bringing to the table. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's definitely why Craig is getting some of the heavier lifting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of... I was going to talk about, like, some of the hype that this show received when it came out, but it's worth mentioning. Like, we were commending Craig's actor so much while we were watching this whole entire thing, and we were, you know, really talking about how great he was. And I looked, and he he was nominated and won some child acting awards during the season. So, like, they, you know, it really must have paid off in some capacity to the, for the writers. Because, like, this kid was really, really, really working with some really heavy stuff and was very compelling. And that's not easy stuff that even, like, an adult actor can tap into. So the fact that this kid was, like, pulling this off so well... Um, it's very impressive. Yeah. I'm glad he was acknowledged for it. And I know he's done, like, some pretty... I've, like, looked... I really forgot about, like, his, like, stage career. He's had, like, a pretty okay stage career. Like, he's done some, like, touring productions and, like, originated a character or two for, like, a character for Broadway and things like mm. that. Like, he's he's done some stuff that... So it sounds like, you know... I know it's really hard to kind of talk about success with these kid like with the kid actors because they're kid actors and like you know it's a really hard business to try and continue in and like it's easy in the context of Degrassi to just kind of be like well the only successful person was Drake because everyone knows him it, it is kind of cool to see that his he seemed to have gotten some sort of acknowledgement but it's it is very niche but it seems to be something I mean yeah like there's something to be said about like just getting steady work yeah like you don't have to be like the biggest you, you don't, don't have to be Drake. Yeah. You can, <laughs> like, I mean, every production is going to need your, like, meat and potatoes, just good actor. Yeah. And let's be real. Like, if you are doing well in stage, like, if you can pull off stage, like, that's an entirely different beast. Yeah. It's a hard beast, too. So, like, good on him. And, and it's, it's very cool to see that, you know, this kid was pulling this off very well, considering his age. It's, it's very impressive acting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that worked well in season two. I think one of my big gripes with season two was just the highs and lows of it in terms of the quality. It felt like for every really good episode, there were a couple clunkers. And it was like, it was weird. Like, there were some stretches where it was not good. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, I guess I... I'm gonna go back through it real quick. Like season one didn't have that many bad episodes. Yeah, like I would I would argue that a lot of the season one episodes were generic. Like they were very typical. Like they were what you would expect a teen drama to cover. And and that was like, you know, especially considering that they're middle schoolers, like that's okay to me. Like I think that when they are so young y- y- there's certain plots that you just can't touch yet really and because it's like it is 
it's not to say that like you know middle school audiences can't understand it but i understand the apprehension especially when working with such young actors of going to certain directions but like it's very odd and it felt like the writers themselves were getting so tired of writing middle schoolers that they started kind of smushing the middle school and high school characters together in ways that don't really work for a middle school high school setting yeah it was like they were too fed up with the fact that they were writing eighth graders and they're like fuck when are these kids gonna be in high school like i'm so tired of this <laughs> um yeah i just went through like all 15 episodes of season one like there was episodes i didn't like because of the content yeah but i'm like, like there weren't ones where i was just like this is a this is a slog to get through <laughs> yeah and there were a couple episodes in season in this season that were a slog whether i like to admit it or not they were rice cakes like you just ate it and then you forgot about it immediately yeah and it's it's very interesting like i don't i understand like you know this is what happens when you have things written by many different people is they're all going to bring different things to the table and they're all going to focus on different things and blah 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 but it is very like <clears throat> odd how you could have such great episodes Many of which stand the test of time to me. Like, I would argue that some of the more heavy, well-written episodes are things that teens should still see. And, like, still yeah. watch to understand some of these concepts if they are struggling with it or maybe are going through it themselves. <laughs> but, like, oof. Like, there were, like, I was, there were so, some episodes that were just hard to get through and not fun to get through it felt like season one at least even if it was like frustrating it was entertaining and there were some of these episodes that did not even feel entertaining to me yeah um yeah it was just i mean we'll get there when we get to our least favorite episodes yeah and uh, you know actually like also with like when this like I think it also has to do with season one not wanting to take some risks. Like oh, absolutely. Season two, they're just like, we can, we, we made it, we're back, let's go. But I would argue the episodes that I don't like from this season didn't, were because I didn't like them because they didn't bring anything. Well, yeah. Well, the, well, or do you think they just focused really hard on those episodes that they were going to bring controversial concepts to and then were kind of like, oh, here's some fillers. Oh, what I mean more is just like when the stuff got so offensive. Like I'm talking specifically about don't believe the hype. Like yeah. there was stuff in season one where we had to, we were offended by the subtext of it. Yes. Like with a lot of the stuff with yeah. Jimmy and whatnot. And this mm -hmm. one, when the overall like text of the narrative is you have like your one like one of your few characters of color showing some extreme islamophobia against another character of color mm -hmm. that's not great no 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 and and it really goes back to like there's this no you're absolutely right like don't believe the hype it's so time capsule -y, that episode and it's it's a very hard episode to get through and it's like, like I saw people commend the episode when it came out, apparently. Like people, people had like, but I wonder if so much of that just had to do with the time period and like how little, how little it was being talked about in that way. Yeah, I feel- At least in mainstream audiences, because obviously people, people ha were talking about it. It's just how, how, how much were they able to actually- have their voices heard in a wider audience. I, uh, um, for me, like, I feel like that was part, like, that time period from, like, 2001 to 2004 
and until um, Twilight ran its course. Mm-hmm. Like, after 2001, um, I feel like there was just regressive nature of, like, back to, like, we're going to dial things back to 1950s attitudes. Or yeah. even farther to 1940s attitudes, where we're going to, like, you know, if the, the war that America is fighting is a good war. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. Like... You know, we're, like, a very Christian nation. Like, I really feel like that took hold in that time period because we were so scared. And, like, you know, there's... And we kept saying, like, our values are being attacked, so we're just going to double down on that instead of, like, remembering the things that truly make our, like, make, make a democracy great is, like, everybody has an opinion and everybody gets to say their opinion. Yeah. Like, we had a president that was just, like so far right wing that just made everything terrible. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I wish I knew more about Canada politically during this time period. But, like, I assume that a lot, like, I mean, like, you know, it, it was that whole con. like, I just don't know. I don't know enough about Canada that I can't speak to how it how it was impacting Canadian values at the time. I don't, I don't want to speak as Canadians. Yeah. Like, as a people, but I do feel like I have a fair understanding of people in general. Yeah. That, like, when you see, like, somebody lashing out... Because America was not popular then. No. Because of our, like, of the way we reacted to this and, like, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when... It, it, it wasn't so much in us... Well, it was a little bit us versus them. Like, mm-hmm. look at what they're doing. Look at what we just put out on, like, one of our most famous TV shows. And it's just, like, we are trying to be... Like, look at it. Like, we're cultured. We're trying... It's like... Snake is a perfect representative of Don't Believe the Hype. Yeah. He is a, like... It is a white... Like, white, you know, male wanting to be just... Be like, look how cultured I am. Exactly. Because I eat jerk chicken and, like, do those things. Like, look how cultured we are. Because we had this one thing addressing Islamophobia that nobody else wants to do, touch. We went there. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really messed up because it's, like, it's, it's really upsetting because you know that they don't actually respect the actress that was playing Hazel. And you know that they don't really respect the weight of having character, you know, having a black girl as your care as one of your characters. I mean, you introduce Farisa, who is enjoyable. I liked her as a character. I liked her actress. I thought she was good. And, you know, she she's never mentioned from again. It's just a very it's very frustrating because it's like you see them do so right with certain issues, but at the end of the day, the characters who get those big plots and get those long plots are the white characters. Yeah. Um, and, like, part of me also thinks that, like, maybe they chose... I mean, like, we've we've read the blog post of why mm-hmm. they chose Hazel as yeah. the sacrificial lamb there. Like, it just sucks. Like, yeah. And, but, like, part of me also wonders, like, besides the fact that you know, they just didn't know what to do with Hazel. Otherwise, I'm wondering if they're like, look, we're so post-race, we're going to have this character do it. 
Well, I think that's exactly what it is. It's really easy to kind of romanticize that viewpoint if you think you are in the right. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I, I feel like the Degrassi writers a lot of the time really truly believe that what they're doing is good and great. And, and is there times that that's true? Yes. But there is a lot of time where that's not true. And I think that they truly believe that they can kind of go unchecked because it, it, it feels like, because like, I don't, I'm not spoiling anything, but I do remember down the line, there's one thing in particular that happened that really upset me and actually made me not watch the series for a season or two. Um, and the way that they explained, like they made a statement about it and like why they did that. And the way that they wrote it was condescending, um, very much like they knew what they were doing and they were in the right and you know what they were doing was the right thing and, and it had to be this way basically like they made it sound like there was no other way that they could tell the story a story in a way that didn't have the deeper implications that it ended up having and i know that sounds really vague i'm sure anybody who has watched later degrassi knows what i'm talking about but they really think what they are doing is the they, they think they're hot shit. they really truly do yeah, and I've, I have two things to say about that. Like, yep. okay, Well, actually, first I have a question. Did they come up with that statement outside of the show? Yes. Okay, they're, they're the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at the way they reacted to um, that documentary, The Problem with a Poo. Yeah. Like, they came up with a whole episode explaining, like, hey think times changed but like when we made this character like it should be okay and it's just like it's still not yeah like um uh, i lost what the other the second thing i was gonna say was but yeah like oh well it's just just an in general thing like that's a dangerous perspective well i mean we all know it's a dangerous perspective to ever take like one of my favorite quotes from Wooly, formerly of Super Best Friends Play, mm-hmm. is be wrong. Yeah. Be continually wrong, constantly challenge your own views until you become the best person you can possibly be. Yeah. Like, you, you fuck up, accept it, own it, then change it. Exactly. I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's like, I... I'm not afraid to be wrong. Like, I don't mind being wrong, and I, I feel bad... Because it's like, I feel like sometimes I come off very, like, I don't want to say imposing when I speak on the podcast or anything, but, like, I'm a very passionate person, so I feel like I come off very, I am stubborn, but, like, I feel like I come off very much, like, my way or the highway, and that's not true. Like, if you, if you bring up something with me, like, I want to believe I'm pretty good at adjusting things, um, but, like, to genuinely believe it and to genuinely think that, like, you cannot do wrong is, is, is entirely irresponsible in any time of media creation but especially when you're making media for teenagers when you yourself are not a teenager like none of these Degrassi writers are kids not to say that you know I necessarily want to read the screenplays written by 14 year olds maybe maybe some really good ones with heavy edits but like it still means that like when your fan base many of which are within a similar age range to the characters vocalize concerns or critics note some issues and things like that like your reaction needs to be okay how can i do better and the thing is is that even though we have only watched two seasons of this we know hazel doesn't really get 
the respect that she deserves as a character. And that reads to me that there's not very much growth that happens in that regard. And, like, the thing is, like, we do discuss this when we talk about the episodes. If we've seen the writers' tapers, it's mostly cisgendered, like, white men. Yeah. Like, straight cisgendered white men. And they're writing for these characters that are not so. And it's just, like, you have to open up the table. Oh, absolutely. Like. Absolutely. You can't. I mean, like, and they do good work, you know, they do excellent work here and there, they do good work overall, but it's still, you're still failing so many other people. Yeah. Well, it also is like, and I think that's where the highs and lows of this season frustrate me so much, because you have somebody who, you know, you, you can have an episode as strong as some of the ones that we've already talked about, but then you have an episode literally the next week that's so low and so not great, and it's like, I just wish that there was the amount of love and attention brought into every single episode. Not to say that every single episode has to be about your, like, you know, alcoholic abusive fathers or anything like that. But, like, every episode can be done with some sort of attention and care. Like, and, like, you could just do a simple edit to Don't Believe the Hype. Like, Fariza's thing still gets, like, trashed. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, Hazel is just, like... Yeah, me too. Like, yeah. I'm on your side. Like, I'm, like, yeah, I'm Muslim too. Yeah. And, like, make it, like, a cool little, like, not, I mean, nothing's cool about a hate crime, but, like, make it a, like... A moment of connection. Yeah, make it a moment of connection. And then, like, have a girl team mystery to, like, like, like Nancy drew it up and solved the case. But it's just, yeah. like, instead you, they just bombed it so hard yeah yeah and the thing is with hazel is she doesn't get the plots that Paige gets like hazel and Paige, characterization wise are very similar and in many ways i like them as a duo because i feel that they both have similar they they have similar issues kind of going on with each other and and it's kind of fun in that sense but where Paige can get an episode that's super deep and super heavy and still come out on top as the hero Hazel never will. She she ends up in kind of these these like situations where, for example, like she she does a project with with Jimmy and she comes off like a total like idiot for lack of better terms, like not smart, like not able to analyze text at all and things like that. Not allowed to sing. No, she's not allowed to sing. Like, what are her talents really, other than being a good like? I don't know, being a good mirror of sorts for Paige's schemes. Like, she doesn't get to be anything else, really, other than somebody with a lot of internalized Islamophobia. She's nothing, like, yeah, like, the one moment she stops being a sidekick, like, or support, she gets labeled, like... She's the bad guy. Yeah. And, and Liberty gets this treatment similar, too, because what happens in one of Liberty's only major plots this season, but she becomes a tyrant trying to coach a floor hockey team. Like, once again, you have a character, you have your black girl character be punished for trying to do things as an individual. Yeah. And if that, if the seed of, like, Manny's Romantic is now planted in your head, like, after the Craig dates and whatnot, like, now the seed is in... Like, they planted another seed of, like... Liberty can't be president, because if that small bit of power went to her head this quickly, 
it's going to be a problem. She gets even more power. And that is not great. Yeah, exactly. It, it makes the implication that she does not have the capacity to be a leader. And it's it sucks. It, it really sucks. And it goes into a direction that, you know, whether intentionally or not, that's, that's where it goes. That's your perception of the character now. That's the perception of the character that white kids have. And also the perception that girls that, who are black like Liberty and Hazel feel as well. And that's a very dangerous situation to be in when you're trying to create media for for kids yeah but it yeah like i said like were there moments in season two that i think were amazing yes do i think that there were moments in season two that just were not fun that's true but i also think that there is something to be said about some of the more dangerous implications that these writers have made whether whether like you know i don't know like i think it's just one of those things that really speaks to why shows of all sorts and media of all sorts needs to feature voices of people in in communities that aren't just like these cis het white dudes who think that they know what the needs of audiences are yeah and that's just how it is yep. um yeah so like i don't know uh what would you rate this season i guess uh, i forget what i gave season one i give it a solid like b plus mm-hmm. like and like it's the it's the boring episodes and the just mishandling of like everything we just said yeah that just drags it down because there was such solid work here and then like they just kept dropping the ball on the five-yard line yeah so i agree i agree i'm fine with that rating um but let's kind of pick apart some of the individual things that we like and don't like um, you recommended a new thing that we did, which was our uh, moment that makes you go ooh, and moments that you go ah. No, sorry. Oh, give me the sound effects. I did not. It's you sent me a text. Things to make you go ooh, and things to make you go huh. Ah, excuse me. Thank you. Yeah, because like there are moments in this show where I'm just like, why did that happen? <laughs> yes. Would you like to share yours first? Um, the things that made me go ooh in this season, um. It, well, my ooh isn't so much like ooh as like ooh. <laughs> yes. Um, was the Ellie and Marco relationship? Mm, yeah. Just the utter sweetness of it and like just the healthiness. I mean, yeah, as healthy as it could be. Yeah. Like it was definitely problematic from the beginning. Like, you know, because they're holding this secret and it's just, it's not great for either side. But like... They managed to, like, work it out at the end mm-hmm. in what I felt was, like, a, like it didn't c- collapse under itself. Like, they apologized to one another. They mm-hmm. handled it, like, you know, like, it actually mattered. And I loved seeing that between them. Yeah, it's... Ellie and Marco's relationship um, is, is, like, I feel like there's so much stuff that happens in this season. It's easy to overlook it. Um, but there's something about Ellie and Marco's relationship that... I really appreciate because I think it's a very good example of writing a relationship that goes through legitimate and, and, you know, can be easily considered unhealthy dynamics, but is actually able to have a problem-solving aspect to it that makes it able to be appreciated as as a plot and also as a relationship. Like, yeah, they have troubles, but they care about each other and really try to put in the time to 
to work on things. But not in a way that's like that Sean Emma situation. It's not like like in sometimes because I think sometimes in 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 media it's like you're in life in general. It's like there's a big difference between working on something with someone because that that desire to do better is there. They want to improve and you want to help them or whatever, and it being a sinking ship. And I think Ellie and Marco's situation, as dark as it can get, has never hit a moment where it was unhealthy hope as in a hopeless situation of these kids need to get away from each other right now yeah it was just like i think we said it on the episode where it first came around like it's just like it's an unfortunate situation between them yeah where it's just like ellie likes him so much marco is questioning but now like i'm really happy at the end like marco can say like this is what's happening we can finally, like, set, like, this is where we're going to be. Yeah, like, we can set boundaries because I 100% know, like, I'm gay, so, like, let's figure this out. Yeah. It's, you can tell that he still loves and respects her. It's just not a romantic kind of love, which is really important to see, and I think it's an aspect of LGBTQ representation that I want to see more of. I think that some, you know, a lot of series are, like, working on it, um, but there's something about being a part being lgbtq that has such like there's something about like the non-romantic relationships you develop when you're lgbtq that hold as much weight if not more weight than your romantic relationships i once said this to a friend like you know think of your relationships like a you know naval fleet Mm -hmm. you know you can't just think of your big aircraft carrier relationship like romantic relationship is the most important one you gotta watch out for your little other ships as well yeah no it's true and i feel like good lgbtq media really hits that aspect because it's something that you've seen consistently in any truly like real narratives it's like kind of to be like you to be lgbtq you have these friendships and relationships with people who understand you who care about you and love you and support you Especially in the case of Marco, when, when, you know, there is a fear of, if I come out, what if my parents don't like me anymore? What if my friends don't want to be with me anymore? And to have somebody who may not always see eye to eye with you and may not always be able to support you in quite the way that you need, still be there for you and still care about you and love you is so deeply important in the grand scheme of life in general and it's it's really great to see something have take that so seriously in i don't want to say earlier lgbtq rep because i feel like that discredits decades of subtext and decades of portrayals that existed beforehand but in the grand scheme of things like marco for many people was one of the more explicit portrayals of lgbtq characters that many people were exposed to i mean i never really saw anything like that on tv like at that time yeah i didn't like it's only recently now like it's only now 14 years down the line 15 i guess where you're seeing characters like coming out and like being part of that Mm -hmm. um fresh off the boat has a really good storyline like that with the character uh nicole Mm -hmm. where like you see her coming out to like her best friend and her mother and fathers like and, mm-hmm. and just keeping those are like yeah and 
don't know. Like, I'm I'm not speaking... I'm, like, as somebody who, growing up, wanted to see more stories like this, it's... I just really appreciate Marco. Yeah. And, like... I don't know. I'm always just appreciative of, like, just good friendships and media. Like, I agree. They're very underrated. Yeah, because you also don't see, like... Like, I am also feel like I've re- only recently seen, like, good female, re- like, friendships where they're not constantly... Or just actually, just any combination of people who just aren't constantly undercutting each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's, I think, what I loved the most about these two is they were, like... Before all that, they were there to support one another and yeah. not just constantly try and get one up over the other person. Exactly, exactly. It's it's so much of their conflict dilutes to one or the other or both, really, in this case. Like, they care about each other so, so much, and that's the root of the issue a lot of the time. It's wanting, when you love someone so much, you're going to start compromising yourself. And that's that's for both of them. That's... Marco trying to be, like, you know, way more masculine, like, you know, masculine and heteronormative than he actually is, and Ellie trying to create a romantic relationship where there isn't necessarily one, and dealing with that. Like, they both care about each other so, so, so much, and at the end of the day, that's what dominated their plots, was that aspect, and once again, it's a good example of being, of of the strife that can come with a friendship. And mm. that's just how it is, especially when you're a teenager and things are so volatile. You're going to have friendships that mean the world to you and you're not going to be able to navigate them very well sometimes. Yeah. So, I, yeah, no, their friendship, it is an ooh, for <laughs> sure. What's yours? Um, mine, I think, um, I guess at the end of the day, I know it's kind of a darker ooh, um, but I feel like watching Craig this season and kind of his, his ability to grow as a person outside of just being an abuse survivor was very important for me to see. Because, like, as somebody who has gone through it myself, like, you know, your identity gets kind of really screwed up because that's just what happens to you with abuse. Like, you just get very, your sense of self is very messed up. And we see Craig st- struggle with that at times and how to feel and where his place is in the world and things like that. But to see him be able to be seen as the sensitive guy, even though he's so deeply terrified of like himself and his his trauma sometimes, the fact that he can be kind of that goofy love interest and, you know, not always do things great, but, you know, try to do things as nicely as he can. Like, to see him go through some of those silly boy issues while, you know, dealing with the fact that, like, at the end of the day, like, a lot of his plot, like, his conflict with Joey is, like, trying to learn how to be in a, relate, like, in a, like, paternal relationship that is not abusive. And, like, yeah. learning those boundaries and understanding those boundaries and learning how to be a older sibling to Angela and learning how to be in this family where you're not constantly scared. And and I like that we got to see that growth from him. And I like that while he had these tremendous opening and closing episodes, there were also a couple of light episodes in between. And while there were some of them that I don't think were great, I do think that there it is important 
in writing if you're going to have your characters deal with really traumatic stuff to also be able to have that levity and be a person outside of their survivor identity yeah um i that's what i've i think i've said this before it's like mm-hmm. one of the things i always enjoyed about pixar um is that pixar is like happiness and like triumph and like joy are just as important as yeah. depression and anger like you're not deep just because you can show those things you're deep because you can show the breath like of what a human is mm-hmm. and like i was laughing to myself because i remembered um Paige's comment uh about craig earlier i forget at what point of the season but i think she just said like smart funny sweet like no girlfriend kind of says something about it <laughs> yeah yeah right but like it's true it's like oh my god that'd be the best ship ever what craig and marco do you want me to tell you something right now <laughs> i guess it that was my degrassi ship that was 100 percent my degrassi <laughs> ship it was craig and marco i love them so much i really wanted a sensitive musician boy and his like it was good you guessed it frank good job <laughs> sorry this one's just for me you that was my ship that was my ship that was my degrassi ship i'm a very predictable person i i really love the idea of like a sensitive musician and and like uh you know um you know just some boy being swept off his feet by him and that was my ship i'm right here with you on this like Thank I'm, you. i'd be into it right it, it's really sweet it's like really sweet and like good and well that yeah well that's i i remember seeing something where somebody was saying like like they were responding to somebody asking like why do you always like make you know lgbtq ships for characters that aren't that and like well here's the thing like show me like one like show me a non-toxic heterosexual relationship and i'll stop shipping it yeah exactly like you know (laughs) give me something to work with for fuck's sake but like yeah no that was my degrassi ship when i was a kid like that was the one that i was really into and i you know that i didn't have very many ships but like i really liked the idea of the two of them like because like craig as we can see like we can see like he's he tries to do the right thing he doesn't always do the right thing but you can you can tell that he wants to help people if he can and he wants to support people and things like that and you can tell that like he he loves very pat like you know in a very passionate way and a very like him just kind of he's not afraid to just be like i love all of you so much and things like that and i was just like oh what if if marco had that and even when he had to like break manny's heart he didn't like he didn't try and do it mean he did it just bluntly yeah and like i can appreciate that exactly i agree wholeheartedly it's really i don't know i like i said like my ooh moment is kind of craig and his ability to not just become like oh this is the kid who's the abuse survivor but like also just be like the heartthrob and things like that and like let him be able to exist as different types of facets of a high school character because like it or not like a lot of folks i mean we kind of found out sometimes on the show even like you know people there are a lot of people in the world who are survivors of abuse of various sorts and it's impacted, you know, people on that go on the show, oh boy, and okay. myself, and things like that. And it's um, one of those things that is really important to kind of know, like, there are people everywhere who have dealt with this in some capacity. And it 
it's a sad thing to think about and it's easy to get upset about it but at the end of the day you know that that like life doesn't stop much like with Paige's conflicts in in her dealing with sexual assault and things like that like your life doesn't just stop because you went through some trauma it, it you wish it did but it doesn't and people are allowed to kind of develop and change and become you know become and continue to become people even after trauma happens to them so it's nice to see that happen to craig warts and all yeah but um what was the moment that made you go huh the boxing club fist bump yeah like, we never got anything about that did we 22 episodes later i'm still just like why were they wearing boxing gloves yeah we never really did get any resolution on that one um or think- that and spinner's blonde hair <laughs> yeah, but that one I can explain away. He was a kid in the early aughts. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I think his, his hair definitely was a huh. Listen, like I think I literally made that noise when I saw it. I because I knew I know. Like I said, like I think I said before, like I knew of his hairstyles, but I couldn't remember the timeline of the hairstyles. So when you said like you freaked out about it, I was like, okay, I know there is a haircut. There's like some haircuts and hair dyes along the way, but I don't know which. And I watched it and I was like, ah, oh, that one. When he's bleach blonde. Yeah. Did you have a things that make you go, huh? Uh, things that make me go, huh? Um. Hmm. I think a moment that made me go, huh, was the pacing in Hasselacco's science classes it felt like <laughs> craig was studying for that final and he was trying to figure out literally any concept in science ever but like when we saw her in an extended plot it feels like she never got past like static electricity <laughs> i cannot wait to hear your commentary on the boo-boo's teaching methods of the people in our next in next week's movie i makes me go huh her existence makes me go huh but i'm not gonna waste my energy on that um so let's go to our least favorite episode the bottom of the class episode i'll give mine first i decided there were some episodes that were pretty awful i i think ultimately my least favorite has to go to drive which is uh the sixth episode in the season because, like, I think a lot of episodes were mediocre. Much like season one, like, a lot of episodes were mediocre, but at least we could talk about something. Mm-hmm. This episode meant nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. Oh, here's another moment that made me go, huh? I have to watch, like, Spinner Chug Cheese Whiz and, and stuff like that. Like, I didn't need it. I did not need it. It didn't get me anywhere. And I feel like it was a waste of time. Like... As much as I had issue with certain episodes, like, Don't Believe the Hype is such a time capsule of the time period and things like that, that, like, you know, there was a lot to talk about, there was a lot to unpack and things like that. Even at my most, like, I was angry watching that episode, but it did not feel as, it did not feel as disposable as Drive did, where it just was like, I feel like we made it work talking about it on the episode, but... It was 
it wasn't a waste of time because obviously we I enjoyed recording the episode with you, et cetera, et cetera. But in the grand scheme of things, it was useless. Yeah. Nothing was nothing lost, nothing was gained. Exactly. Um Yeah, I'm mm, yeah, I'm gonna go. With, I was gonna say, don't believe the hype, but after like talking about, it, I do have to agree. Like, yeah, it's a time capsule about how shitty that time period was, mm-hmm. and Drive was just god awful. Yeah, it was a slog. It was a slog. I, I, nothing, nothing. I got nothing out of it. I had to rewatch the last fifteen minutes of that because I forgot I had watched it. Oh I was my like, god! Did I fall asleep? No, I didn't watch this. That's most of the episode, too. Like, if you have to watch the last 15 minutes, you've had to watch most of the episode. Like, 75% of the episode. Yeah, it was awful. It was dark. Um, and then we'll go with the top of the class, our favorite episode. Um, I have to go with... Um, I'm going with Tears Are Not Enough. Like... With like that's a tie. Like tears are not enough, and shout. Like yeah, my my favorite was shout. So you can talk about that episode. I'll talk about shout. Like just tears are not enough. Like it just featured. Like for me, it was just like all the characters like hitting on all cylinders, um, like just doing their best. And like, but then like that sucker punch ending to the the first part, and then the. Um, seeing Craig just falling apart in like episode two and I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the episode but like that was me like when my grandmother and my aunt Flora passed away mm-hmm. so I was like able to relate to that so I think that's why it comes up a little bit well I mean that's why it's like tied with child mm-hmm. but it's just like you know and, like, the B-plot didn't feel completely off-kilter to me. It just felt more like a nice little breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, we are going so intense so far. And then it's like, okay, good, back to this one plot line. Yeah, it felt like it understood what a B-plot should do, especially when you have a story like this. You need to have that B- That B-plot can be a breath of fresh air, while also not being, like, it, it also, like, you know, can't be inconsequential either, like the B-plot of the second episode it intertwines Craig and Ashley and all the other characters who are being featured in the A-plot, but in a way that it makes sense. Like, once again, it goes back to the idea, like, just because you're going through trauma doesn't mean your life stops. You still have these types of things, and I'm sure some people probably look at Craig fretting about the dance and being really, 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 like, you know, refusing to miss it and nominating Ashley for uh, for and himself as like the couple like many people may see that as like you know oh but your dad died and some of the characters even react that way but like that that trying to search and hunger for that shred of normalcy is is so necessary when you're going through things like this to show it in the plot not just people telling Craig that but also having it be part of that B plot is a really smart idea yeah um yeah, nah, I, I think you just kind of like hit the hammer on the head with it. Oh, and actually also because I felt like I've returned to form for like 
season one Sean. Where, yes. like, when he sees the dad and he just spits on the ground. Yeah, like, that's the type of Sean I want to see. Like, uh, I was really disappointed by Sean in many ways in the way that they use Sean throughout the season. I, I really wish we saw more of his and Craig's friendship because I find it very interesting. And I can also see how... I'm not going to give the credit to the writers because I didn't see this growth, but I can see how Sean can grow because of his friendship with Craig. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, you know, I, I feel like it would have been an interesting episode of sorts to have where Sean's, like, homophobia or whatever gets called out. Emma calls it out and it doesn't really work because it's like Emma. And it's, you know, Emma's good and always is good. So, of course, she knows, like, not to do that. But Craig can kind of maybe come at come at it from a more relatable level for Sean and like that would have been an interesting thing where like he learns to grow and change because you know somebody who's his friend is able to kind of speak whatever kind of language of sorts Sean needs to understand that his behavior is not good yeah it would have been nice yeah um I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add about this episode no um, that's about it. Okay. I picked Shout. Um, I thought about it. I was really torn. Um, I think that the episode, I think uh, Tears Are Not Enough, it was really, really good. Um, I, actually, can you give me one more uh, of that opener? Because I yeah, don't know if I'm going to be able to cut out going, going Jesus fucking Christ. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what part of the opener? Just. Oh, yeah. So, so I decided to... Um, I just shout. I, I was really torn. Um, Tears Are Not Enough was a very, 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 very good episode. It was definitely in the running. Uh, when Doves Cry was also in the running for me. I think that those three sets of episodes are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided upon Shout because I feel like so much of it, like, it's the episode that in the season, like, I think When Doves Cry stuck with me a lot, but Shout was, like, this strangely formative pair of episodes for me, even when I was a kid. And it's an episode, it's like a set of episodes that I always kind of remember very distinctly when I think of Degrassi. Um, And I think in many ways it is that form that Degrassi really prides itself on having, though it may not always quite hit it. Where you have an issue, you have a character going through it, they're trying to make sense of it. In the process of them trying to make sense of it, they make some mistakes and make some misunderstandings, but they, you know, are trying to deal with it. And then there is this slightly, I don't want to say fantastical element, but there is um, this element of just like pure teen media where she does the performance and things like that. Like, not to say that kids haven't done that, but there is something exceptionally like teen drama about how everything kind of lines up. Like, of course, her sexual assault lines up with the Pantene open mic contest <laughs> that she can enter. And then, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's still finds a way to have this level of entertainment and kind of um, that kind of fantastical element that I think kids can really get into and get interested in. And I think that's why Shout, as, an, as a pair of episodes, always stuck with me so much because of those kind of yeah yeah fuck yeah like sing the song to your abuser and make him leave fuck yeah like there's this kind of rallying cry aspect of it that i don't think when doves cry and tears are not enough quite nail as much not to say that they should i don't think they need to but in the grand scheme of like entertainment 
in when it comes to those three sets of episodes in terms of like what was the most able to handle the care handle the situation seriously but still really entertain you i think shout had the best balance between the three yeah not to say that the other two weren't great i think the other two were fantastic and are some of my favorite degrassi episodes ever but i think shout had this i don't want to say playfulness but like had that that little entertainment element that the other two just didn't quite have. Yeah. So those were my favorites, personally. Um, yeah. Of course, it's always interesting because um, I don't know. I, I looked up some of the some of the critic feedback and stuff, like how this season did in terms of ratings and things like that. Um, it was the most watched domestic drama series in Canada for like three separate age groups. Really? Which were, yeah, 2 to 11, 12 to 17, and 18 to 34. Oh, that 18 to 34 demo. That's that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, like apparently like, like we, it's interesting because I'm noticing that there's this trend that I'm seeing with my Canadian Canadian friends versus my U.S. friends. Where it's like a lot of the people in the U.S. seem to get behind Degrassi as like kind of like a fandom. Like they were like, oh, I was really into it. I watched every episode. Like, you know, I like this character and this character and I hated this character. And like, you know, they talk about it and they talk about it like um, like any big obsession show you had as a teen. Meanwhile, like Canadians, like a lot of the Canadians that I I talk to didn't don't didn't necessarily watch it episode like week to week but we're like yeah it's an institution like when they talk about it, they just like have resigned themselves to the fact that a large portion of like cultural identity connects back to Degrassi um it's very interesting and like um through the show I'm beginning to talk to some people who are Canadian listeners who did really follow Degrassi in in a very like fan type of way but it's very interesting that talking to some Canadians who were very passive toward the series because it's like they still acknowledge its its cultural significance in the process. I feel like that's Doctor Who is getting that way for me. Where it's mm-hmm. just like, one, you know, Stephen Moffat just was terrible with Doctor Who. I stopped watching. Mm-hmm. But I was like, it's going to always, come, it'll be there when I come back. Yeah. And like then, so like when they're like, we're about to announce the 13th Doctor. And I was like, okay, I'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like this interesting thing where it's like, there's a passiveness I'm noticing amongst a lot of the Canadian friends that I have, but it doesn't change the acknowledgement of the weight of it. Nonetheless, it's very interesting. And as you can see, like it was dominating ratings in many ways. Yeah. So, I mean, there's also always the uh, thing that some, some, some of my Canadian friends pointed out. It's like, yeah, we don't get that many Canadian, like base scripted show so we take what we can get (laughs) but um there is still this uh level of weight that the show had during the time period and and it's interesting to see that it it was doing well in the ratings um it's there's also some other things like it got like it got nominated for some awards and things like that um there were there's like the gemini awards which happen um and there were writer nominations for Careless Whisper, um, which is kind of, like, the first real explicit, like, foray into, like, Marco being, uh, Marco potentially being gay and things like that. So that got a writer, uh, writer nomination. Um, Jake, um, Jake Epstein, who plays Craig, got nominated for some awards during that. Um, and it's kind of interesting seeing that, um, 
I also, just out of curiosity, looked up the IMDb ratings. So I was like, kind of curious. I'm like, which episode was the highest ranked and which one was the lowest ranked? Can you guess which episode was rated the worst at 6.0? Karma uh, Chameleon? No. Um, it actually went to Relax. The Liberty episode. <laughs> Now, unsurprising. Yeah, right. And then, which episode? episode the top rated episode, 8.8. .8. Which one do you think it is? Tears are not enough. Uh, Shout part one. Damn. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting kind of seeing how that type of stuff falls. Um, yeah, this season seemed to take off a lot better. It seems to be viewed more favorably among the critics than season one. Season one was considered kind of like a a little all over the place and and i mean we agreed while we were watching it like it's definitely trying to find its footing it it has it more now um a lot of the episodes were quite successful in terms of how they were portraying things in season two so it makes sense that they were getting more positive acknowledgement during that time period i mean yeah it also goes back to doctor who where it's just like season one first the season of the knife doctor it's like ooh, farting aliens <laughs> gross the season two is like no farting aliens yeah yeah it's just like you you learn when to not have farting aliens like after a while yeah season um, two the season of degrassi no farting aliens <laughs> thank fuck um no but we did have the farts from spinner so gross maybe gross, we still gotta gross. wait we gotta wait until we have a fart free degrassi season um spinner, keep getting better yeah um so let's go to superlatives yeah all right so first one that we do is best all around so, Frank, do you have your best all around? Paige. Nice. I went with Craig. Okay, I can see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very biased toward Craig. We know this, though, about me. I'm very biased towards Paige. So oh, yeah, I know, I know. It's fine. We, we have bias toward these characters. Wow, golly gee, I can't believe these two <laughs> characters are the two that these two co-hosts are, are very, very, very invested in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for uh, for all those placing bets on our superlatives. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, number two, biggest flirt. I went with Hazel. I went with Manny. Yeah, she's pretty flirty too. I feel like Hazel. Hazel, I give her biggest flirt because like she was not afraid to drop whatever she was doing to try and flirt with someone. Yeah, I'll give Manny it because. I just realized there's some major implications towards the end of the season to give it to Manny. Mm. Let's, let's, uh, yeah. Uh. Okay, I'm going to drop that. Okay. I didn't think that through enough. It's okay. Um, if it wasn't for those events, she would get biggest flirt, but. Oh, God. You know what? Uh, I have to give it to JT. Yeah. Because he did, like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, it's not like it's not like I. Uh, it's not like I enjoyed it when JT did, but it's just a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, it's just we know by now he he flirts like like it's his job. Yeah. So fair enough. Um, let's see. Um, class clown. I'm gonna go with who made me laugh the most, and then I'm so then I'm gonna give it to Ellie. She did make me laugh a lot. Like, whenever she would just drop a super blunt statement or, like... She's funny as hell yeah, to me. she had great timing. She's, like, really freaking funny to me. And, like, 
I, I, I think, yeah, no, when you put it that way, I, I'm going to change my, I agree, I think Ellie is, like, she's really good at those, like, really, like, little biting remarks and things <laughs> like that, like, even just, like, she, she just being, like, mm, Spinner, you stink, like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, it's just, like, because, like, you know, I think throughout life, there's points where you'll just be, like, um, you just hear somebody drop something so honest, and you like you're taken aback. It was like I can't believe they said it. I wish I had said that. Yeah, yeah, I always feel like that about Ellie. Like I'm like, man, I wish I was like that. I wish I was that kind of character archetype. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, cutest couple. Um, I was torn with this one. Um. I, I was just kind of thinking about when Terry and Ashley went to that party and I just wanted them to make out. I was just and, thinking and, about that. Right? Because it's like, I, I acknowledge that there was issue in Ashley and Terry's relationship. However, there is a part of me that wanted them to get together. So, and like work on that. And like, maybe that would be what, you know, maybe maybe they just had to like, really like, be in a situation where they're equals in a romantic relationship to like, truly work on some of that. I don't know. I just wanted them to just leave that party. They were miserable. So clearly they were having fun dancing together. All they had to do, like, I was still thinking about it. I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. I acknowledge the issues. I do also want to be optimistic that they could figure it out. No. I mean, but pardon me, like, if we're going that route, I would also say Ellie and Ashley. Ellie and Ashley is good. Ellie and Ashley is also good. Yeah, so... Why doesn't Ashley have a girlfriend? Riddle me this, Degrassi writers. Why doesn't she have a girlfriend? Um, <laughs> like, maybe, you know, when she tried that E, she, like, accidentally kissed Paige. She's like, ah, I really enjoyed that. Let's try it again. <laughs> See, that's what that plot should have been. It should have been Ashley kissed Paige and now is having a slight, like, gay baby panic. And then you can still have the shit with Jimmy, but in a different way. Like, you could still have the strife between her and Jimmy, but then, like, her whole entire thing is like, mm, you know what? I like women. <laughs> and that's just how it is. She backs away into Ellie's arms. Yeah. And then Ellie picks her up and runs out of the school. Exactly. Like, that That very well could have been been what their big thing was, but Degrassi writers don't think that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, life of the party. Unless you have any more thoughts about Ashley. No, I was just thinking about my own manuscript where I started at, like, half of the time, I'm just like, I'll start writing two characters, and then I'll get to a point where I'm like, I can't play this off as just friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, sometimes that happens. Sometimes your OCs just have really good chemistry, and like, what else are you supposed to do but have them... You know. I, I gave a manuscript, one of my manuscripts to my friends, to read, and like, hit me back with some tips and they just text me back like about like 20 pages and it's like okay when are these two girls gonna kiss right <laughs> well like it's sometimes it's just like that like sometimes <laughs> these characters just have very 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 good chemistry and you just hope to god the writers understand it yeah so but um life of the party I'm trying to think of who I would actually like to party with. I want to party with Party Time Radish. What was his first name? Like, 
Oh, God, I can't remember his... Arnie? Yeah, like, no, it's like, no. Uh, no, no, no. Here, I'll look it up. You say yours. Um, yeah, Life of the Party. I was kind of torn on this. Oh. Sorry, no. Um, I want to party with the sex worker. I forget her name, though. Oh, Fancy. Fancy. Yeah, Fancy looks like, you know. I want to hang out with her and, like, her, like, her partner. Like, we never really were fully sure of what her dynamic was. I want to party with her. Dan. Dan. He says, Dan. call me Dan. He's what like, if we party with Dan and Fancy? <laughs> I don't care for that. No, I didn't mean that. And, like, I meant, like, she was off. No. She was not working. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, that's what I mean, too. Okay. Like, I just mean, like. Yeah, like, I just meant, I, I said that, and I was like, I want to be clear, like, Radish is not expecting anything from Fancy. Yeah, no. Like, I would like to go out to, like, maybe a nice dinner with them. Yeah. And then, like, maybe we go to a jazz club after. Mm-hmm. Like, and it'd be, just be nice. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I like, agree. That dude in the mustard suit's gotta have some good stories, you oh, know? Oh, I'm sure. I wanna... Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I... Yes. Yes. Yes, I agree. Like, I'm sure one of the ends with... And that's how I save those koalas. Yes. <laughs> it has to. Um, yeah, most athletic... I was torn. I feel like I just gave it to Jimmy because he was the one I saw do sports the most. Kendra. Oh, you're right. I'm such a fool. It should be Kendra. <laughs> the anime jock. How did I not give it to Kendra? You're right. And she did more sports than Jimmy. Because Jimmy, like, Jimmy only does basketball, really. Yeah, she does soccer, she, floor hockey. She's like a, she's like a three. No, Jimmy did soccer. Jimmy did soccer, too. I forget. Like, I just, you can tell soccer's just not his passion. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, no, you're right, Kendra. I, I change it. It's Kendra. Most changed. I, okay, I'm gonna do two. Okay. Ch- changed in a bad way, Sean. Yeah, that's true. Like you were my sweet, sensitive boy in season one. Now you're my problematic, homophobic, whatever. Right. Um. <laughs> most changed parents tracker. Ooh. Yeah. Um, what is up with these Cameron boys? <laughs> They need some. They need. They need guidance. They do. Like not from their biological parents. No. But like, no. They just need guidance. From like. Who would I put in charge of them? I don't know if you can. I would put a combination of Snake and Jimmy, to cur- curtail their worst ideas. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, most improved. Uh, well, just most changed. Most changed. I'm gonna give it to JT. I was thinking JT. Cause like, season one, episode one, JT was a snot. Yeah. And he kept being a snot, but then like he really clutched out in those last few episodes. I agree. I really think it had came with the change with like hanging out with Mrs. Haslakos, and just being like, oh, you know. My actions have consequences. Yeah. And then, like, when he... When he just decides to, like, work, do something... Like, when he de- oh, he decides to do two things, like... Like, when he, he you know, decides not to be a shit to Liberty. Yeah. I was really happy about that. And then, yeah. like, when he decides to fight Dean and like it's not to try and get on Paige's good side it's because this is the right thing to do it's time to throw down with this kid's gonna kick my ass yeah 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 like he's willing to potentially make 
a sacrifice of sorts, like, that I don't think he always had the capacity to do in any way. Like, he's very, he's very much only looking out for himself so much of the time. Yeah. So to see him be able to do that and make that decision and potentially, like, you know, make a sacrifice such as getting his freaking face beaten up is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that assessment. Um, most likely to succeed, I went with Ellie. I agree. I think she's the most motivated of pretty much any of the characters in terms of long-term success in any way. I think she's the one who is, like, she's the type of kid who her, her like, you know, resume of sorts when she's going to be at the end of high school won't have gaps because she's clearly doing stuff now like she's clearly working and being reporting for the local school newspaper and things like that like she she is trying to set herself up for success when she comes in to argue things she comes in at a far more global level than most of her peers like i think she she has her eye on the prize and i think that at the end of the day it is outside of degrassi i think she's the one with the firmest morals Yes, she's incredibly rigid, or not really rigid, but like she has a very, very, very certain moral compass yeah. that I like coming from that kind of character. Because I think that a lot of the time, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like a lot of like the punk type in media don't actually get that really rigid moral compass because people fail to recognize that a lot of people that are coming from that perspective have have one usually and this one seemed to understand that like like she is non she is attempting to not conform to society because she has ideas of what things should be and how things should be yeah and but and but she's not like the the problem that we continually run in with emma is her myopic views exactly and like and and ellie goes toe-to-toe with her myopic views sometimes yes and you said like says like look at on on this level sometimes you know or like yeah this is what's meant this is what's important not this yeah yeah and a a real threat versus a non-real threat exactly and she's not perfect she's still a kid but like she is trying to look at things beside herself and how to and like the fact that she reports and things like that she's trying to find a way to talk about things to a broader audience than i think emma really ever looks in that came out of nowhere but i completely understood it yeah i was like of course she's the reporter yeah yeah like it makes a lot of sense like she really isn't or like even the fact that she directed the uh project and things like that she really is trying to look at like how ideas are communicated and i think a lot of her like a lot of her interests go back to that idea and the role that she plays to Ashley in their friendship and things like that. It really does go back to like some of those principles time and time again. News on the floor from the floor of Ellie. Yeah. Well, like it's really interesting. Like I, I just, I love her a lot and I really like that she kind of takes that point of view. Yeah. Um, and I like that it's coming from a point of view that sometimes wears three ponytails. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so next is most unforgettable. I have to go with Craig. Me too. He's stuck with me. He's resonated with me for literally years at this point. Yeah. Like, there's just something about, you know, the way he's portrayed. It's just, 
I gave it to I think I gave it to Paige last time because like Paige had just such a big personality, but yep. like Craig just he gets into your sympathies, he gets into your blood, he just sticks around. Mm-hmm. And as I forget who said it on our Carol's Whisper episode, but somebody said like I wanted a friend like Ellie, I wanted a friend like Craig. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, behind the scenes confession, Gwyn is playing Tetris Effect as we're trying to record, and so, like, every so often we hear Gwyn just whispering, fuck you, as, like, the blocks are dropping, and we've been able to keep it together for, how, what's the timestamp at the time of recording? Like, 23. One hour and 23 minutes, but, like, this last one we couldn't keep it together. Um. Gwyn just flopped, Gwyn just fucked up the Tetris Effect. This is a problem. I was trying to think, I thought you, I saw dolphins, I thought Gwen was playing Echo the Dolphin. No, if only, no, Gwen's just playing Tetris Effect. Anyway, um, yeah, no, Craig's great. Oh, I want to, though I did, um, honorable mention is Fariza. Yeah. Because, like, I just loved her whole persona. I actually threw in a character into my latest manuscript named Fariza. Good. Good. That's a good nod to a character who did not get her, yeah. her fucking due. When my ma- like, she has the same kind of like, I've seen shit before and you're nothing to me attitude. Good. To the point where my main character is just like, want to be you when I grow up. Yeah. Even though we're the same age. Right? But like, I don't know. Those types of characters are important. Like those types of people are important even like yeah. in reality. Like it's, it's you want to be with people. You want to find people who are aspirational. So I, I appreciate that she is. She's performing that role even if the Degrassi writers didn't freaking see the potential yeah um but yeah I I went with Craig he resonated with me the most when I was a kid he resonates with me now um a lot of like what I remember about the show really has to do with some of the things he went through this season I I had to it had to go to him for this season I just want to wrap him in a big comfy blanket and give him some cocoa right like I just want him to be able to just like hang out listen to some music like yeah. i'll pay for a spotify account here you go kid <laughs> like i don't know he's he's a good kid he is um most unique i went with ellie unsurprising yes <laughs> i love her i just love her i love her so much i think she's like, she's great she she was so formative for my identity in many ways growing up and i'm so happy to see her again I'm not saying that, like, I would prefer having a friend like Craig or Ellie. I prefer both of them to be my friends when I was growing up. I agree. I think I think that also when it came to Ellie, I think I, I wanted a friend like Ellie because I wanted a friend who understood, like, what I was going through with as much sensitivity as Ellie. Um, I also think that, like, I think Ellie is what I needed, but I can see how, from what you've talked about on this podcast, how Craig is what you needed in high school. Yeah, I could really use somebody just like who, somebody who could have seen like my actions have consequences, and I should try and be nicer because this thing is hurting my friend. Yeah, like I think that it, our our gravitation toward those two characters within the context of our past selves definitely speaks to who we were. Yeah, which is you know this is why it's interesting to look at teen media when you're older because. You kind of, it's almost like you're, uh, in my case, it's like like uh, my 14-year-old self and my 28-year-old self are kind of what waving at back at each other yeah. for a brief moment. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, when I finally figured out why I liked Batman so much. Yeah. <laughs> of just, like, 
I was going through some troubling shit when I was growing up and like but I still wanted to do the right thing I didn't want to become bitter and angry and mean and mm-hmm. I was just like Batman's gone through some shit too and he always tries to do the right thing yeah I should try and emulate Batman yeah so. no like characters like that are really important and why they matter to me so much and why they matter to other people so much yeah um I don't know if you have any other spur of the moment superlatives you'd like to add Did we do a best dressed? No, we didn't. Yeah, let's. Well, uh, who who is best dressed? See, here's the thing. It's a con. It for me, it's a three way contest between Ashley, Ellie, and Paige. I'm gonna give it to Ashley. Late late season Ashley. I still want to wear that like fur fit, faux fur trimmed black jacket that she has. Oh god, yeah, that look was so strong. It's so freaking good. Like, it was fun watching Ashley's aesthetic shift throughout the season but like once she hit her stride and she was really like like really devoting herself to that full black color palette with just like interesting textures and silhouettes and stuff like that i feel like it it really it was good and like that pixie cut is intense Mm -hmm. but i like it i like how it kind of opens up her face yeah and it actually like Unlike that bob, that hideous bob, which just kind of weighed so heavily on her face, and you couldn't, it just was so unflattering. Like it's it's cool, it's cool looking. It yeah, it's a little cheesy at times, as as I feel like it should be. Like she's still in ninth grade. Yeah, the th- the th- thing about Ellie, um, is that like I felt like her look was just kind of like i don't have as much money so i just kind of throw everything hodgepodge together it's very hot topic but the clearance rack yeah but they can get a hold of well ashley is just like i have enough money for the corsets and the big jacket and whatnot yeah 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 it 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 definitely has that kind of feeling that you know ellie's stuff is very like you can kind of tell ellie's stuff is a little cheap i don't mean that in a mean way i think that's very realistic for kids in general who try to dress that way um where i like you could kind of tell like certain parts of it were probably going to fall apart in the wash a couple times or yeah. like they were genuinely old distressed shirts and stuff like that or like that that like kind of union jack looking shirt that she wore twice that like looked like it was like quilted like it looked very like homespun mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be surprised if, like, that would be kind of the case where, like, somebody made it for her or she made it or she got it from a thrift store and it looked kind of interesting. But, like, you can tell Ashley's is, like, more... It has a lot of... It's very precise by the end of the season. Mm -hmm. It takes a while to get there. But, like, when it's good, it's good. Yeah. Uh, That's, I think, it for me. Yeah. I mean, that's all I had written down. Um, So, I guess we'll just kind of start wrapping things up. Um, I... I know how season three goes. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but I guess the question for you, Frank, is what do you want to see from season three? I want to see more. I just want to see more of the development of these relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, like I want to see where Spin- Spinner and Paige are going to go. I want to see where Craig and Ashley are going to go. Mm-hmm. Ellie and Marco, Liberty and JT. I didn't think I'd be saying that at the end of the season. No, no, but, you know, that the last three episodes are full of freaking surprises in that department. Yeah, because, like, I want to see Dean get hit by a bus. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Or just 
you know, just in jail forever. One of the two. But uh, I don't have high hopes. Mm, yeah. But, you know, I'm looking... I, I want to see... I don't know, just want to see, like... I just want to see more of these characters grow and develop and change. Like, now that Manny's had her first date, I want to see where she's going to go from there. Like, mm-hmm. Emma, like, and her relationship with her parents. Like, I've heard... From what I've heard, and this isn't really a spoiler, like, the season three is the beginning of the soap opera era. I can't remember if that officially happens in season four, but, like, it it starts. Okay. You... This next season, I will say this much, is much heavier. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I, I showed the list to some guests, and they were like, oh, there's not that many lighthearted episodes anymore. And I'm like, not, not really, no. Like, it's getting to the Degrassi that I was really into. Like, I feel like I was really into season three. I was really into season four. A lot of people were. The Season four in particular was a very popular season. I, I was really into kind of the chunk that we're getting into. Um, like, those were the ones that I was trying to watch week to week on, on the end. Like, those were the ones that I would, like, try and sneak downstairs to watch the episode and stuff. Um, season four is the one that I actually own on DVD. Things like that. Um, so, it's, it's interesting. The vibe is, is gonna change a bit. Um, but I agree. I think that there are some interesting dynamics that have been set up, especially in the last few episodes, and I really hope that the threads continue as opposed to just kind of dropped because it's a new school year. Oh, and I really want a new theme song. <laughs> Get kind of sick of the child chorus. And I was actually thinking about this. Have we ever said why we call this show I Hope I Can Make It Through? I don't know if we have or not. Okay, so, I mean, it's... Um, if you listen to the the actual theme song from season one and two... One of the lines is, when every day, I know we can make it through. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm not sure if we can make it through. (laughs) I'm not sure if we can. But I mean, it does kind of make me ask you, like, Frank, you know, we finished up season two. Are you still ready to try and make it through? I'm ready for more. I'm not ready for more Lifetime movies, but I'm ready for more. Nah, we'll we'll get to that part. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, we've done it. We've gotten through season three. Um. It was full of highs and lows, but ultimately, like, I, I really enjoyed being on the journey with you. Um, Me too. I enjoyed being with the guests, too. I think they yeah. really helped us get... There were a couple episodes where if we did not have a third person, I don't think we would have been able to finish up recording the episode. <laughs> it would have just been us rolling our heads through some oatmeal for as good as we felt about it. Yeah. So, like, I really want to take this time, because I'm sure a couple of the guests are probably listening to this in some capacity, but just to, like, really thank them for making the time to come in, whether it was in person or online, via Discord and whatever. And, and thank you very much to... All of them for taking the time to watch and sometimes rewatch certain episodes and things like that. It was really valuable to get some perspectives. Like, there were a couple folks that were really able to teach me yeah. a thing or two in the process, which is what, when I visualized the podcast, like, I really did visualize it with a guest format for pretty much when I initially, like, came up with the idea. But I, I knew it wasn't going to be, it was going to take a lot of work on my end to really secure that. And I'm glad that I... I did because I think it really paid off, especially with with some of the things that we were able to learn during these episodes because of it. I still, I, don't know, I was just thinking back to that because that we started as in like what late June, like May I think. Yeah, because I offhandedly, a friend of ours, Chris, 
mentioned that like Donnie wants to do a podcast about the show Degrassi. I was like, oh, I've never seen that. And like I texted you, and you were me like, great, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'm watching Degrassi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was something that was a bit of a idea that I was kicking around for a while at that. I would say a couple months. Like I, I brought it up with um. Some, like, I brought it up with, like, Gwyn and things like that, because, like, um, it's something I've always been interested in. I was interested in podcasting, but, like, I don't really know how to go about editing audio. I don't really know that type of stuff, and it's it's also one of those things where it's, like, I've never done it before. So, like, it's it's funny, because I was looking at my um, resolutions, my, like, New Year's resolutions from 2018, and podcasting's nowhere on it. <laughs> but that's also because I don't think I saw it as something that was possible, because I understood that, like... I was going to have to, like, uh, yeah, I was really going to have to find somebody who understood some of the aspects of it. So, like, it, it was nowhere on my agenda. Like, I was just, like, all my resolutions were, like, things that, you know, make sense. But, like, they were, uh, if I was going to start something, it was going to be starting a zine before I started a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, it was going to be writing, things that I, I, I'm used to being in. So, it's, it's funny to kind of see how much a year can change and how this is now a part of my life. You you know we've we've been friends for a while but like you are a part of my life literally weekly i see you face to face i see you more often now than i see a lot of other people like yeah. you know what i mean like outside of like work colleagues and like Gwyn, like i see you probably the most consistently it's interesting and it's really great and i feel like even though it's been like what like seven eight months at this point in the podcast like i feel like i've gotten to know you so much better yeah because like we our main thing before was we'd see each other when we were sharing a hotel room at Anime Next. Yeah, yeah, or, like, if I was over... Yeah. And, and like, you were there, like, you know, we, we have been friends. <laughs> and normally that old man would be like, well, you guys keep hanging out, I'm going to bed. Yeah, it's exactly. It's 9 o'clock. <laughs> exactly, like, you're, like, you're definitely, like, a friend. Like, I want to be clear here, like, you've always been my friend, but um, there is something interesting about how this has gone and and you know it's it's very nice that we have been able to have guests feel comfortable enough to go on number one which is a huge thing for some people like for a lot of people this season it was a lot of time their first time really being recorded and like being on a (laughs) podcast and um i really appreciate that i'm going on this endeavor with you because i think that you know i as an educator, like, I know enough how to, like, make someone feel comfortable enough presenting, but, like, I wouldn't be able to actually succeed in it if I didn't have a co-host who was also able to do that. So, thank you. Well, um, yeah, the things I've learned over the last year um, were, like, I learned to change my texting style to actually include emojis. Right? (laughs) Um, But also just, like, I'm thinking more constructively about the things I'm doing, both as a, like, as a writer and as a person, where I'm, like... You know, it's the thing, like, liberal arts... It's, uh, like, liberal arts colleges, they ruin movies for you. They do. Like, but, like, movies are now even more so ruined because I've been hanging out with you for last year, and I'm just like... I have that effect. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's not great. That line's not great. But it also makes me a better person to be able to more adequately reflect on, like... Yeah, the things I say, like... It's not like, you know, I've made horrific homophobic jokes before but like now the ones i'm like this is borderline so i'm just gonna not do it because it's just it's not great it's not a good thing to do yeah it's it's i really hope that you know i i do there are episodes where i'm gonna get very down on the series and things like that but at the end of the day like i i don't want to discredit 
how important this series is or how important other things are and like you know we we could start listing out all the problematic media that like was very important to us or is very important to us like but I think that you know that doesn't mean you can't talk about it and like I I really want to be clear with that like I understand sometimes I probably come off like a killjoy (laughs) but um you know I I I do still want to watch a thing individually and then make sense of it. Like, I don't like to not watch something and then just kind of... I mean, obviously, if it's something morally reprehensible and I don't want to give money to it, I'm not going to check it out. Yeah. But, like, you know, uh, I I really believe in trying to actually look at something and do research and try and form your own opinion about it. So, I'm glad that that's rubbing off on you. Yep. So, yeah. uh, I don't have any recommendations. I recommend season two. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of really good episodes in season two. I, I really stand by some those those the big three episodes that we've been talking about, Shout, Tears Are Not Enough, uh, When Doves Cry, I think those are really good episodes to go back to. Um, if if you're just watch listening to this just to feel nostalgic and you haven't really watched many episodes again or what have you, like I would recommend those three episodes in general. I think that there's a lot that can be learned if you're a writer, if you're a kid, if you're an adult, whatever. Like, I think that they handle those topics with a lot of grace that I don't see in general in the world with some of these topics. Um, but yeah, I I don't have any real recommendations myself. I think that season two, it, it minus some of the clunkers, stands out on its own and, and stands up to a lot of... It's, it's gone, like, it's been a while. This, this season is over 10 years old. Mm-hmm. so to still be able to hit things right and still like be worthwhile is very impressive to me yeah it's gonna hit its 15th anniversary this year oh jesus yeah i've been out of, i've been out of high school 15 years oh, whatever whatever life goes on yeah never look back yeah right <laughs> oh god it's gonna be 10 years since i graduated high school this year <laughs> Don't look back. <laughs> Don't look back. Going to that reunion? Uh, no, hell no. Yeah, fuck, fuck that. Uh, like, fuck that. The only way, the only way I would have gone to my tenure reunion is if I had finally made it as a writer. Like until then, I'm just like, even like, then, I wouldn't go. I'm a little bit pettier. I understand. <laughs> That's funny because I'm a petty person, but no, I don't think I would even go for if that. Like. I, 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 I am a somewhat. I would consider myself fairly successful as a human being, and I, I still would not go. But what's funny, the, the thing is, like, I still maintain I went to a pretty good, like, fair, I, like, it's not like, I, I just want to put this out there that, like, the high school I went to, my class, pretty good all around. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I want to be petty towards, like, five people. Fair. But that's, like, 10% of the class, because I graduated a class of 52. <laughs> but, like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But yeah, um, I guess like the last thing is just I want to thank all of the people who have been listening to us. Like whether you just kind of jump in for certain episodes, one episode, all the episodes, whatever. Um, I just want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us. Um, We, you know, Frank, I know you've been in the podcasting game a lot longer than me. Um, Me, like I'm still very, very new to it and still learning a lot of things. And I really appreciate everybody who's taken the time to listen to us. I really appreciate everyone who's taken the time to reach out to us. Um, It's interesting when you you realize that there are people that aren't just like your immediate friends giving you like a pity download. (laughs) They're actually listening to it and taking the time to give feedback and taking the time to interact with us and taking the time to um, be 
you know, be supportive of us because, like, I mean, 2018 was incredibly shitty for a lot of people. Mm. Mine was horrendous in so many ways. But um, I like that no matter what, every week I was going to be able to do an episode with with Frank and with a friend and have a good time. And, like, that was something that really cut me through during some of the darker points in it. So I really wanted to thank all the listeners who's taken the time to listen, but also the listeners who've taken the time to interact with us. It's it's really meant a lot to me. Yeah, you're all, like, super great. Um, I'd like to thank our listeners, all our guests. You might notice there's no best guest because you're all the best it's true like also like they're all like my friends and i feel like that would be really bad <laughs> i saw a picture of um donnie and Gwen's new year's eve dinner and i was just like oh, all these people been people on the podcast <laughs> yeah i know it was like it was really funny because um <laughs> it was really funny because like a lot of them have been shortlisted or like okay so 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 um some of them have not been on the episode yet because of um uh there are a couple episodes they're interested in but they're gonna be in later seasons so so some of them are on the docket one of them I am in the pro I sent the list of episodes we need guests to and then the other people were like Kirsten Gwyn Hiram Eric like <laughs> folks who have been on it and like it's it's genuinely like this um, very communal effort that um, I've been really trying to do with this in terms of like, you know, really like I letting people be able to give, share their perspectives. And I don't know, it's, it's a lot of fun. I get to spend every once a week, once again, hanging out with my friends, talking about a show that when I was a kid, I was watching alone a lot of the time. I didn't really have very many friends who watched Degrassi, like at least not as intensely as I did. So... It's nice doing it in a more social setting as opposed to me, like, clamoring up in my basement telling my brother to fuck off while I'm watching, like, these, like, <laughs> marathons of the show. Yeah. So, it's good. Uh, one final thank you. I want to thank you, thank the Pokemon series for helping me get through the editing process every Thursday morning. It's two hours of me just playing Pokemon and editing these episodes. Yeah, goddamn. I, like, I love, like... I think it was Pierce was like, yeah, your episodes are really long. Like, I enjoy them, but they're long. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> uh, well, the thing, like, Teen Girl Talk episodes are a staunch, staunch, like, 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 hour. Yeah. Like, that's because we would just, like, we come in, we hit the one thing, we're done. Those characters cease existing to us as soon as we're over. Like, you know, it's like trying to tell a story to a friend, like, with this yeah. one where you're just like, and this thing happened, and that thing happened, and this then, thing oh, happened. Oh, just so you know. And sometimes it literally is. It's like, oh, just so you know, last episode, like, Toby did this. And, like, it's like, it's like it takes, it takes a while. But, um, you know, I, I, I like to believe that if we could say it in an hour, we would. Sometimes, but we can't, some, like... Yeah, like, sometimes it takes two hours to truly unpack what the fuck happened in 15 minutes. <laughs> goes to show you Degrassi you know I just there's I I prefer oh my god like I just imagining like trying to talk about any other show for two hours I know like besides like a Battlestar Galactica like I, I don't know how the Talking Dead does it. It was like, there were some zombies. Some people got shot. I have no idea how the fuck you do that with so, Walking Dead. I'm so jaded. I would just be like, yeah, whatever. Fuck it. Somebody got left behind. We're done. It was 10 minutes. Who cares? Yeah, right? Like, Chris Hardwood's a piece of shit. What? Chris Hardwood's a piece of shit. Oops. Ooh. Shots ooh. fired. I mean, true. So, haha. Anyway. 
If you want to hear our hot takes on stuff, or if you are interested in potentially talking to us, any questions, comments, concerns, or you're interested in potentially appearing on an episode, um, because we are setting up our stuff for season three, um, you can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out, let us know any episodes you're interested in appearing on. Another thing that we would really love to see take off is having people per, uh, give us text or audio clips of themselves talking about specific episodes, specific characters, seasons, etc., etc. Why Degrassi means something to you, how Degrassi means something to you. Um, do not hesitate to send that to us, especially if you're somebody who maybe is on the Shire end or doesn't quite have the recording situation that you can do it or anything like that. We would love to have some of your thoughts and really try and give a more collective take on Degrassi and its impact on people. Um, if you wanted to check us out on social media, we also have a Twitter account at IHopePod, and we also have a Facebook group at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast, where you are free to follow and join and whatever, and talk to us about things that you are interested in, things you liked about the episodes, um, other Degrassi observations, or maybe you want to teach us a little more about the geography of Canada. We are up for any of that type of stuff and really appreciate it. Um, also, we have a coffee account, so if you have been moved by the work that we have been doing this season um, and you want to give us some money, we will be putting that money toward compensating guests as well as um, trying to work on any of the tech situation to make it a better listening experience. So please don't hesitate to toss some in there if that's something you're interested in. And finally, if you want to find a way to help support us and get some new content in the process, uh, please send us a rating and or a review. Um, once we hit 20, we are actually going to be going into the original Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High um, backlog, and we're actually going to give you some thoughts about a handful of episodes at a time. So um, once you hit 20, we'll do a couple episodes, and that will give you double the content um, in as a thank you for really trying to find a way to spread the word about our podcast, um, and that's something that... I've only seen the original series once, so I really want to see it again. So please help us hit reach 20 so that we can really unpack that one. Because, like, Frank, I feel like oh, there's so much that happens in that original one. Like, those are going to be long episodes. I want to see Little Snake. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, now, we, now Frank needs to see what some of these characters were like when they were little ones. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so if you want to support us, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. Um, if you want to talk to me individually, you want to talk about Degrassi, or you want to talk about any of the other things that I'm interested in, which I'm sure you've kind of picked up on my interests by now, because you've listened to 30-plus episodes of a podcast with, that I talk about during it, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is Unbreakable. Um, I don't have a Twitter anymore, but I do have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk, where I talk about teen media with my sister. And... With that said, everybody, thank you so much for being with us on this endeavor. Thank you so much for supporting us throughout season one and two. Uh, next week, we'll be doing She's Too Young, a Lifetime movie starring Miriam McDonald. Um, it's available on YouTube. Don't <laughs> tell nobody. Um, yeah, because we are, we're going to take a slight little, little breaky break. We're going to watch something Degrassi adjacent, and then we will jump into season three. So, yeah. So if you want to watch that before you watch uh before you listen to us, check it out. Be careful. There there are massive trigger warnings with this movie, by the way. Oh yeah, it's awful. Massive, massive, <laughs> massive. If you if you are uh, out of out of sync with what like Lifetime movies are like, like make sure you look this one up beforehand. There is a lot of really messed up shit that happens in it. it there is a very um, 
extensive Wikipedia article about it, which I'm thinking you can pretty much glean everything, most of the terrible shit that's going to happen in it. Exactly. So I would recommend doing that. Yeah. Um, with that said, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. Later. See ya, everybody. Bye.